Thanks so much for showing up, man. It's an awesome morning. It is my favorite time of the week to worship God with my church family, to honor his presence. And I just want to remind everybody, you know, it's so easy in life to get in the habits of things and just kind of show up to church because that's what we do on Sundays. But I want you to know, man, this Sunday morning ought to be special to you because it's an opportunity for you to get together with your church family, for us to worship God. And I want you to know that something happens when we worship God. It's more than like singing our favorite songs or singing songs. It's really about God opening up our hearts to faith. Then we talk about who he is when we sing to him about what he's done. I want you to know, man, it should, it should supercharge your faith to believe that God can do something supernatural in your life. That God is not just big somewhere, that God's big in your life and God's able in your circumstances. Come on, somebody. And so that's what Sunday mornings are about for us. And when we open up our hearts, once it's been opened through worship, we open up our lives to the word. It's God's way of pouring into your life purpose and God pouring into your life direction and destiny and God pouring into your life the things that he has for you and who he's helping you to become. And so I want to pray for you today that God would take an average Sunday morning and he would make it supernatural for you. So we all pray with me. Father, we're so grateful today, God, to be in your presence. God, to get together, to honor you in worship. I pray, God, that eyes would be open really to see how big and how awesome and how amazing you really are. I pray that, God, we would not limit anything that you can do in and through our lives. So, Father, I pray, God, change lives, wreck hearts. And, Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Amen. Listen, we're all headed somewhere. In life, we're all headed somewhere. We all have a direction. We all have somewhere that we're headed in life when we look from where we are and where we want to go. We're moving somewhere. Isn't that true? Think about, for some of us in this room, we are headed from... Being a college student, we're headed towards graduation. Uh, Whether you're a full-time student and you're making it happen uh, several days a week or maybe you work, maybe you already have a family but you've gone back to school, kind of your destination where you're headed again is graduation. Some of you here, you're headed towards success and maybe you've gotten a job in a place and man, what you have your eyes on the manager's position, you have your eyes on the foreman's position and, and that's where you're headed, you're moving somewhere. Some of you, man, the, where you're headed in life is just trying to get a date, right? I mean, that's just kind of, that's your next step. Your goal is maybe to get married and you're in a relationship and, and it's not enough to date, man. Your heart is to be connected to that person forever. And so everybody here, we're headed somewhere. We are headed somewhere in relationships. We're headed somewhere in our finances. We're headed somewhere in who we are as individuals. And, and, uh, and here's the thing, here's, this is true, is that no matter where we are, right, we're in a place and we're headed somewhere else. We're in a spot and we're headed to another spot. We're headed to a destiny. We're headed to a place. We're headed to a purpose. And here's, here's something, you guys remember this from school. The shortest distance between two places is what? Right? The shortest distance between two points is a straight line. So from where we are to where we want to go, it's a straight line. It should be pretty quick, right? We should be able to get to where we want to go. We should be able to get to our purpose. We should be able to get to our destination. We should be able to get to where we want to go much quicker than we typically get there. So here's a question for you. Why does it take us so long often to get to the place that we're headed? Why does it take so long, right? When you, when you see your goal, when you see your objective, when you see what it is that you want to do, why does it take so much longer to get there than typically we anticipated? And here's, here's what I think is true. is because in life there are no straight lines. Isn't that true? For a lot of us, right, here, here's what it should be, point A, point B, it should be this. For a lot of us, it's this. 
A lot of us got, we got a lot of zigzag in our life, right? A lot of us, this is our weight. Come on, help me somebody. A lot of us, right, it's not a zigzag. A lot of us in our life, there's no straight lines. A lot of us, we're in a circle. We keep going around the same mountain, keep going around the same problems. We keep dealing with the same issues and we never move forward to the things that are in our future. We struggle to kind of get where we're going because we just keep going in circles. A lot of us, maybe some of us in this room, we're just a dot. Well, we're not really moving anywhere. We got somewhere and we just kind of stopped. But, but here's what I want to talk about as we start this new series entitled Motion. Everybody say motion. Is that we're all headed somewhere. We're all moving a direction. And you might remember this. I took uh, AP physics. I took physics, several classes of physics in college, but started physics in high school. I remember my, uh, my high school AP physics teacher. His name was Mr. Barnes, but he looked like Fred Flintstone which helps you actually learn when you think at any moment that your uh, physics teacher can shout out, yabba dabba doo, like it just helps you pay attention. And I'll never forget Mr. Barnes, he taught us, uh, he taught us Newton's laws of motion. So Isaac Newton, some of you guys remember this, Isaac Newton, one of the greatest scientists of our time, he was kind of looking around at our universe, our world, watching how things moved and motion and interaction. And he came up with what's called the three laws of motion. And the first law of motion is, is this, and some of you guys remember this, read it with me. An object in motion tends to stay in motion until acted on by an outside force. So kind of here's the picture, and, and I'll never forget uh, Fred, Mr. Barnes, I won't be disrespectful to him. I'll never forget Mr. Barnes teaching us Newton's laws, and this is what he did. He took some, he took some foam, one of those, those squishy balls, and he's throwing them out in class. And he's trying to teach us this law. And I'll never forget one girl, I can't remember if she wasn't paying attention or what, but like the ball just bounced off her head, which was awesome. And here's, here's, here's what it is. Here's what the law says. If you took a ball and you threw a ball, that that ball would continue in a straight line forever. A motion, an, an object that's in motion tends to stay in motion. So if you throw a ball, that object is going to stay in motion forever unless it's acted on by an outside force. And so we all know this, you can't throw a ball and it go forever. Do you know why? Because an outside force, gravity is pulling it down to the ground. When it hits the ground, friction is stopping it from rolling very far. So here's, here's when I started thinking about that, I thought, you know what? We, each of us in this room, we are people that are in motion. And the reason we struggle to get to our destination, the reason we struggle to get to where we're headed, the reason we have a hard time reaching our purpose, reaching our goal, reaching our destiny is because unfortunately we're not in this thing alone. There are a lot of forces, come on, help me somebody, that's pulling on us, that's tugging on us, that's pushing against us. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? You got some stuff pulling on you and tugging on you and you rest. You're not in this thing alone. If you lived in a vacuum, we could all get to our goals, purposes, purposes, and destinies easily. We could get there in a straight line. But the reason we're zigzagging, the reason we're in circles, the reason some of us have stopped or some of us have gotten off the path is because in all of our lives, there are some outside forces that are pushing, pulling, and dragging against us. And so for the next several weeks, as we get into this series entitled Motion, I just want to talk about some of the forces that you and I wrestle with. I want to talk about it because I think for all of us in this room, when, when you talk about direction, when you talk about us having a purpose and a destiny, I think it speaks clearest when we talk about our spiritual journey. Every one of us in this room, man, you are on a spiritual journey. You started at a point in life. 
And hopefully the greatest point in your life is the day that you gave your life to Christ. The day that you discovered that God's amazing grace wasn't just this abstract idea. But some of you in this room, come on, help me somebody. Some of you found out that God's grace was real. That God's grace was amazing. And God showed up and wrecked your life forever. And so you started on a point, an object in motion. God put you in motion, and right? But why is it that we have a hard time getting to our destination, getting to the place where we're to be more like Christ, getting to our purpose? Because every one of you in this room, hear me, man, you have a purpose in God. There's, there's something that God created you and called you to do in his kingdom and for him. And as you live for him and as you walk in this world, there is something in our future, something in our purpose and in our destiny. And the reason a lot of us are struggling to get there is because, because an object in motion tends to stay in motion until it's acted on by an outside force. A believer tends to stay towards God until an outside force, until things pulling on us, pushing on us, gets us off the track that God has for us. And so for the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about some of the forces that I wrestle with. Maybe you don't wrestle with. Maybe you can just kind of sit there and I talk about the forces that I wrestle with. I'll talk about the things that are pulling on me. But I have a feeling that maybe some of you can join in and, and realize that there's some stuff pulling on you as well. I want to start today by talking about this story. It's one of the, it's one of the main storylines in the Old Testament. It is the story of the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, being brought out of Egypt. Some of you, again, guys, you know the story, right? So God, chooses, God chooses a nation. God chooses a people, the nation of Israel. And the reason God chooses them is God wants to bring them, uh, God wants to bring them into the promised land so ultimately God can bring the Messiah out of the nation of Israel, right? So God raises up a nation to be his representatives to the world so we can see a picture of God working through people so we can get uh, excited about God working in us. That was the reason God chose that nation so God, again, a Messiah could come out so Jesus could come out of the nation of Israel. But on their way of, of, of where they were headed, right, they get hung up in Egypt. Some of you know the story. So on their way there, they end up in Egypt and they're slaves for 400 years, Ten generations, they are slaving, back-breaking, bloody labor, building the cities in Egypt. That man, the taskmaster are beating them and yelling at them and screaming at them. Every morning they wake up at the crack of dawn and they head out and they've got to slave and labor. They're belittled, they're nobodies. And the Bible says that there's one point, there's one moment where they cry out to God. And this is so cool because the Bible says that God hears the cries of his people, which means you don't have to pray eloquent prayers for God to hear you. God hears your, cry, your cries, your whimpers, your moans, your groans. God just hears the, uh, I want you to know that that's so important that God hears everything that we are feeling and going through. Come on, somebody. And so God sends Moses, the deliverer, to go and bring his people, again, out of Egypt into the promised land, point A to point B, and so watch, they're stuck in Egypt and God sets them in motion. Anybody here remember a time that you were stuck and God set you in motion? Anybody here remember a time being stuck somewhere in life and God showed up with his power, God showed up with his grace and put you in motion? Come on, someone here shout in motion. Now you may not be to your destination yet, but I don't know about you, but I'm in motion. I'm, I'm headed somewhere. I've got a purpose. I've got a destiny. I've got an end in mind. But on their way from point A to point B, it's not a straight line because they are acted on by an outside force. Some things interrupt their journey from where they are to where they're headed. 
and things start to break down. And so for a few minutes, I want to talk about kind of part of their journey. Check out Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16. Read this with me. Then the whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of sin between Elam and Mount Sinai. Keep reading. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month. Watch this. One month after leaving the land of Egypt. So God sends Moses in, miraculous supernatural power. God rips the nation of Israel out underneath the grasp of the, uh, the taskmasters and in, in ultimately Pharaoh himself. God rescues them out of Egypt, sets them in motion towards the promised land. And the Bible says in these verses, this is only one month later. So one month ago, they were bound up. One month ago, they were making bricks in the heat of the day. One month ago, their backs were getting lashed by the taskmaster. In 30 days, watch what happens. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. Keep going. If only the Lord had killed us, come on, had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. So here they are. They've, they've only been out of Egypt. They've only been free for a month. And all of a sudden, they start looking back and thinking, man, Egypt was awesome. Man, I just, don't you, does anybody else here, I mean, like, does anybody else here miss Egypt? I hate where I'm at. I, like, I, I think we should just go back. In fact, in Numbers, in Numbers chapter 14, verse 3, they actually said this together. Wouldn't it be better? Come on, read this. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Come on, so think about this. Here they are, they're in motion on the way to the promised land and they start thinking about how good would it be to go back where we came from? Wouldn't it be awesome if we go back to the things that God just delivered us from? And you gotta stop and you gotta ask, what, like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, what happened to that whole slavery thing? What happened to that whole beating thing? What happened to that whole, like, God rescue us thing? So God showed up and rescued you. Now you wanna go back to where you came from? Now you wanna go back to the thing that God delivered you from? What's that about? You know, I did some study, and, and, and I don't, you don't need to look at the studies to know this, but a lot of studies have been done on our memories that our memories are not very good. Does anybody know that? Like, you don't need to study. Like, we forget a lot of important things. Guys, come on, we forget anniversaries. I forget my kids' birthdays. A lot of times I'm filling out forms and paperwork. I got to ask my kids, hey, what's your birthday again? And what is your name one more time? Which one are you? You know, we forget important stuff, but here's, here's what some studies have found is that, that our memories, this is so key, watch this, that our memories are incredibly inaccurate. Watch. And where our memories are most inaccurate is out of painful, harmful times in our past. Our memories tend to repress or suppress hurtful times in our past. What, what happens is this, is that as you experience something painful and once you get to the other side and you look back, you tend to not remember how bad it really was. It's, it's God's kind of defense mechanism, I believe, to keep you from losing your mind. Now, let me just give you a great example. How many people here, and this is, this is true for me, anybody here would say that they had a really cool junior high experience, like it was just a good time. Anybody here? Wave at me. Some of us. I had a great time. This is, some of you have a better memory maybe. Listen, Junior high is hell on earth, isn't it? I mean, man, you're, it's, it's such a hard time to go through. You're wrestling with identity. You're looking in the mirror and your body's changing and your voice is changing. And there's always that guy that's had a mustache since like sixth grade, right? 
And you just want one of those. And like, you know, your voice doesn't change till the 10th grade. Your ears are too big. Your nose is too small. You're too tall, too short. You're being tormented and picked on. But you know what? A lot of us, we live life. We get to this place and we look back and we think about how wonderful things were. There's an old saying, the older we get, the cooler we were. Isn't that true? Like you look back, some of you here, you think you were the most popular in school. You think you were the best athlete in school. Let me just tell you, you were mediocre and average at best. But do you know why we don't remember all the pain and all the hurt? Why? It's because, because we tend again to suppress the pain in our past and we tend to think of things in a better light than they really were, which means your childhood was not as good as you remembered it. Like things that you experience, they're not as pleasant actually as the way that you look back and you view them. And so when these guys, they get rescued out of Egypt and they get taken, they're getting taken into the promised land on the way, they start looking back and saying, hey, Egypt wasn't so bad. Egypt wasn't really said, hey, let's go back to Egypt. And I started thinking about how many of us in this room, right? We're in motion. We're in a relationship with God. God has brought us out of a place and God is taking us someplace. And how many of us in this room could be honest and say that there's some stuff that's tugging on us. There's a force that's pulling on us that wants us to go back into the very thing that God rescued us from. Has anybody else here ever felt that pull where you look backwards and it looks more appealing than it really is? I believe everybody in this room, you have an Egypt that God has delivered you from, but an Egypt that you're trying to be pulled back to. Let me just give you some prime examples in my life where where like I have struggled. I know God set me free. I know I'm in motion. I believe that I have the greatest calling in the world to serve God, to be a blessing to his people. I, I love what I get to do. But I want you to know that in my journey, in my motion towards my destiny, my purpose, there are times I still look over my shoulder and think, hmm. Come on, can somebody help me? Like, so last year went up to uh, do a friend of mine, his wedding. And so I get there and everybody there, this friend of mine, he's not serving the Lord. It's at my brother's house. He don't serve the Lord. All of the people there are all the party people that I used to party with when I was in the world. And now I'm not the partier. Now I'm the preacher. And now it's kind of odd because I'm excited about who I am and what God's made me. But getting there, I think maybe I should be the partier again. Come on, can I just say that? Like I get there to the party as the preacher and I think I'm going to kind of put being a preacher on the shelf and I'm going to go back to being the partier because being partying. Come on, does anybody else here feel that pull? I'm thinking maybe just one drink. Like I know some of you don't want to hear about your pastor, but let me just tell you, everything I think isn't godly. And I think, you know, maybe, no. And you, and you wrestle with this thing, you wrestle with these old pools, you wrestle with these old habits. Come on, some of you in this room, if you're honest here, listen, God brought you out of something, God rescued you from addictions, God rescued you from lifestyles and habits, and if you're honest and if you're truthful today, you can say there are times you look back and you long for the thing in your past that God rescued you from. And I want you to know the reason God rescued you from it is because it was keeping you from the person that he called you and he created you to be. And while it might look glamorous, in the rear view mirror if you are honest it was hell on earth when you were living in it because here's what I know listen 
While, listen, while I used to be the party and now I'm the preacher, I can be honest and say that there were times I could have and should have lost my life because of my lifestyle. But God showed up in his grace and his mercy and he unstuck me and put me in motion. And the worst thing I could do is go back to the Egypt that he delivered me from. And some of you in this room hear me. Some of you are in relationships. Listen, I hear this all the time, right? Girls crying about how bad this relationship is and how abusive this guy is and how bad he treats her. And then he breaks up with her and, and all of a sudden she forgets that he's a jerk and she wants to to get back with them. Listen to me, God delivered you from some relationships. God's delivered you some, from some people. God's delivered you from some places. And the worst thing you can do is go back to the Egypt that God rescued you from. I'll just give you another example. So again, some of you know my testimony. I, I share it pretty often is, you know, getting out of high school where I got saved and going into college and, and wanting to be an, an engineer. And I was well on my way and had a position lined up and was well on my way to a degree. You know, I love what I get to do, but like, I'm going to be honest, you know, um, I love most of you some of the time and some of you most of the time, but hardly all of you all the time. Let's just, can I just say that? Church, church people are crazy. They, they just, I'm, can I say that? Did that come out of my mouth? Church people are crazy. So, right, there's a guy, I don't know if you guys heard this story, there's a guy, he was, he, was a, he, was, um, he was marooned on this island all by himself for like 20 years, and when they finally rescued him, they show up, and there's, there's three huts, there's three huts out on the beach, and they ask this guy, hey, what's, what's the three hut thing about? And he's like, well, the, the center hut, that's where I live, right? That was my safety, that was my security, that's, that's where I live, that was my home, and like, well, what's this, what's this hut over here to the left? He said, well, that's where I go to church because I love me some Jesus. And so every Sunday I'd go to church and I'd worship the Lord. I would sing and I would meditate on the scriptures. And, you know, well, they'd say, what's this other hut over here to your right? He said, well, that's my last church. I don't go there anymore. <laughs> like, that's church people. That's, so I just want you to know, listen, listen. So I, I believe this. I believe me loving God and serving God, being a Christ follower is the greatest thing in the world. And it's the greatest honor to do what I get to do. It's a privilege. But I want you to know every now and then I look back over my shoulder and think, you know, I could, I could go back and finish. Like I got less than 20 credits. I can bang that out quick. Go get a degree, clock in nine to five and forget the crazy people. Don't take that offensive. I want you to know that there is stuff pulling on me that wants me to get out of my destiny, get out of my purpose. Can I just hear from anybody here that's got some stuff pulling on them? Is there anybody here got some stuff tugging on them, pulling them back to old things? That's all of us. We all have these, this, this pressure, this, this, this force that's pulling on us. And I want you to know, and, and, and here, here, it's okay it's okay to have those feelings. In fact, I want you to know that when God brought the people of, uh, people, uh, of Israel, when he moved them, he wasn't just trying to get them out of Egypt. He wasn't just trying to change their address. God was trying to change their heart. And so when God moves you from things to things, God's just not trying to change your, change your destination. God's just not, not trying to change your address. God's really trying to change who you are. God's trying to change you from who you are to who he's called you to be. In getting us out of Egypt happens in a moment but getting Egypt out of us it takes a lifetime right they were delivered in one night one night one night one night the 10th plague came the next day they walked out of Egypt and for the next 40 years it took God getting Egypt out of them and for all of us in this room, hear me, I want you to know, listen, maybe God rescued you from something. Maybe God delivered you from a habit or a lifestyle or an attitude or just not loving Christ. And God's brought you in this place where you're in a relationship with him. I want you to know that those old things are just going to pull on us. 
We're always going to be fighting that tension. We're always going to be fighting that resistance of loving God. It's just always going to be there. We just got to learn how to fight against it. Like I know, okay, so when I came here from the north to the south, from Ohio to Alabama, go Buckeyes, roll tide. Can we just do both of them? Listen, let's just get over it. There's more than one team. (laughs) It it was a big adjustment going from the north to the south. And so uh, right almost four years ago, we packed up a U-Haul, put all of our stuff in, and uh, in like December 28th, 2011, in one day, we moved from Alabama or from Ohio to Alabama. But here I am four years later, and I'm still trying to get Ohio out of me. I'm out of Ohio, but I still got Ohio in me. Right? When I, when I talk, I don't care what you say, it's pop. It's not Coke. Coke is Coke. Pop is everything. But here's what's weird is now when I say pop, even though I believe it's pop, when I say pop, I think I'm talking to my dad. Now it's weird. I'll never say y'all. I don't care how long I'm in Alabama. I will never say y'all. If I die in Alabama, I will never say y'all. So I'm saying you all now. You all. I can say that. I'm halfway there. I used to say in the north, you know what you say in the north, you guys. Now when I say you guys, I think, what about all the girls? I've been excluding them all these years. It's weird. Do you know why? So, so, right, God's trying to work stuff out of my life. Hear me, God is trying to work stuff out of your life. God's trying to move you from where you are to where he wants you to be. And the reason you're not getting there as fast as you want to get there and as fast as God wants you to get there is because there is a force pulling on you. Check this out. Uh, check this out in, uh, in Numbers. Because this isn't the only place where it happens. He says this, soon the people began to complain about their leadership and the Lord heard everything they say or their hardship and Lord heard everything they say. Don't, don't complain about your leadership either. That was my insecurities talking. Keep reading. Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. Now, I want you to get this picture. So, so when, they, when God finally delivers them out of the nation of Egypt, a million people, a million people walk out. Men and women, sons and daughters, a million people walk out. And then the Bible gives us this picture that it wasn't all Israelites that went with them. Amongst the Israelites, there was rabble. The Bible actually says it another way, mixed company. There was a mixed company with the nation of Israel and this mixed company, the foreign rabble, they're the ones that start stirring up saying, hey, what about Egypt? Is anybody else here missing Egypt? Anybody else here missing the fun that we used to have in Egypt? Does anybody else here miss it? And I want you to notice what happens once they start talking about it. Next verse, verse five, read it with me. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic we wanted. I want you to know, listen to me. Again, part of what the enemy is going try to try to get you to believe as you look backwards is that the lifestyle that you were living, it was glamorous and it was wonderful and it was free. And I want you to know that your past isn't free. Some of your past was costing you everything. Some of you, your past and your habits and what's trying to get you pulled back into, it's going to cost you your marriage if you go back. It's going to cost, come on, some of you, your life if you go back. It's going to cost you your relationship with Christ if you go back. And that's exactly what the enemy wants is for you to leave what God has delivered you to and go back from what he's delivered you from. And there is nothing for you in your past but slavery and pain 
and heartache and hardship. Can anybody here, are you with me? And God set us free. And God's rescued us. In fact, God says this, man, for all of you that are looking over your shoulder. You're married, but you're looking over your shoulder at old relationships, old relationships thinking how wonderful it was. Let me just tell you, if you're tempted to go back to old relationships, whether you're married or not, if it was such a great relationship, you wouldn't have left it in the first place. But see, the enemy wants you to not really realize how great you have it now. He wants you to think it was great then. And he just kind of keeps pulling us and keep pulling us. And so Jesus gives us these words. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 17. Jesus says this, remember Lot's wife. Say those three words with me. Remember Lot's wife. Well, what's he want us to remember? What's, what's the thing that he's trying to warn us about? Remember Lot's wife. Well, if, if you don't know the story, Lot was the nephew of Abraham, and, and he, he gets seated. He starts living in this area. It's, it's incredible. It's a great place to live, but the morality is not really great. And in fact, it's so horrible. God decides that he's going to bring judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. But because Lot lives there, God sends two angels to warn Lot to deliver them out of that judgment. And it's a picture of God sending his son Jesus to rescue us from judgment, which is awesome. And he says this, he says, hey, listen, on your way out, when I rescue you out of Sodom and Gomorrah, don't look back because there's nothing back there for you. Just keep, keep going, keep, keep your eyes focused on where you're headed. And the Bible says on their way out, even though they're warned not to look back, Lot's wife looks back. Check this out. Read it with me. But Lot's wife looked back as she was following behind him and she turned into a pillar of salt. This word look back doesn't mean this casual glance like, hey, I remember that. Hey, we're going to miss that. It's kind of this like look of longing. It's, it's almost like a romantic like, man, I, I don't want to leave. I wish I, I wish I could have that. Some of you in this room, you have to make a decision what you want. Do you want Christ or do you want this world? Do you want sin or do you want righteousness? Do you want light or do you want darkness? And there's always a pull for the old. But we got to make a decision, man, to stay on point and to stay on task. And, and, and Jesus said, hey, listen, remember Lot's wife. It didn't work out so good for her. But there's this thing in us. We just want to keep looking. We, we just keep feeling that pull and that appeal of old things. It's kind of like rubbernecking. Does anybody here hate getting stuck in traffic? Like, that is the worst. I really, there's this thing that comes on me. I just want to drive in the median, and if I get a ticket, so be it. I mean, just like gun it right up the middle. I mean, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? And you always wonder when you're stuck in traffic, what's going on up there? What are they doing up there? And we find out when we get there because we find out what they're doing is in the thing that we're doing. Because almost in every traffic jam, there's sometimes construction, but normally it's like a little accident, a fender bender. And even though we're headed somewhere, you know what we do is we're like, hey, what's going on over there? And we slow down because we're not focused anymore and we're going, we want to see what's happening. We hope there's not blood, but if there is blood, we just need to see it. We hope nobody's hurt. In fact, we pray, Lord, there's an accident up here. Lord, we hope nobody's hurt, but just in case. And we slow down and all of a sudden, like we're compelled to get our eyes off our destination and look somewhere else. Hear me, some of you in this room, the reason you are not where God wants you to be yet in your spiritual journey has nothing to do, has nothing to do with God's ability to get you there. It has everything to do with the fact that there is a force pulling on you and distracting you from where you're going and trying to keep you where you've been. And God wants us free. God wants to deliver us. 
And you're always going to be reminded, wasn't it great? Wasn't it wonderful? Don't you remember when? In fact, go back to Numbers. Notice what they're talking. They're talking about all the food they used to get to eat. By the way, we're going to see this in a minute. This is in the middle of them eating manna from heaven. God is delivering home-baked donuts every morning to their doorstep. Donuts from heaven. And they're hung up on, don't you remember the food when? And they, they list some, watch this. And we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic that we wanted. And I started thinking, I love cucumbers. Cucumbers and ranch dressing, is there anything better? And it's good for you too. I mean, minus the ranch dressing thing. But you get to eat, and here they are, they're, they're eating, and they're, they're like, hey, man, don't you miss the cucumbers? Don't you miss Egypt, man? We had such great cucumbers. And, and listen, there might be some things that you think you remember as being really great in your life before Christ. But like, here's the conclusion that I've come to. If the only way that I can have a cucumber is going back to my old life, I don't want cucumbers anymore. If the only way I can have that feeling or experience that thing is going to a life that's away from my relationship with God, I don't need it and I don't want it. I said it this way, I put it down this way in my notes. Listen, the joy of cucumbers is not worth the pain of Egypt. The joy of cucumbers is not worth the pain of Egypt. So let me just ask you a question. Listen, what's the thing in your rearview mirror that you're getting pulled back to? What's the relationship? Who's the person? What's the habit? What's the lifestyle? that as you're serving God, like it just keeps coming up and saying, man, come back. We can be old friends again. What's the thing that you keep, and you're starting to believe it, man, I I can go do that. I can go live that way. I can go walk that way. Because all of us have something. All of us have an Egypt in our rearview mirror. All of us have that pull on us, trying to pull us backwards. What's the force? So all of us have a force that's pulling on us. What's the force? For just a few more minutes today, I want to tell you the force that we all wrestle with is the force of temptation. The force of temptation to pull us back into old habits and old lifestyles. James, he says it this way, talking about the battle that we are all in. Every voice, read this with me. He said, temptation, it comes from your own desires. Remember what the nation of Israel was saying? Hey, remember the meat we used to eat? Remember the food? It was like all about these cravings. And God says, the pull that you feel that's keeping you from getting where you want to go, it's in you. You're the problem. He describes our temptation. He says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. This term, drag us away, it's a, it's a hunting term. To bait a trap, it's a fishing term. Imagine a, 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 a beautiful hook falling into the water and a fish coming out of the safety of underneath that rock and grabbing that hook thinking there's something really great there only to realize a moment later that it's being served up on a skillet and that's what the enemy wants is for you to see the shiny sparkling silver of your past and think man I miss that man I just need that back man I wish I could be there again and it pulls you from life to death And that's what the enemy wants, is for us to give into that temptation and miss the purpose, miss the destiny that God has for our life. Peter describes 
what all of us in this room have at one time or another experienced. And what my prayer is that God would set us free from. He describes it in an incredibly graphic way. 2 Peter 2.22. He describes our going back to Egypt. Our going back to things that God delivered us from. Is this. A dog that returns to his vomit. Now, I have a dog and I'm just going to tell you that every now and then our dog, like, he just eats really fast, really fast, really fast. He doesn't chew anything, and we let him in our house, and then he throws up. Now, if it's between me picking it up or him licking it up, we're going with option two all day long. But I'm going to be honest. If I was in his shoes, not that he wears shoes because I'm not one of those dog owners, but if he, I would be like, listen, I'm not licking that up, dog. you got to clean that up. But he says, listen, you know what? There's something about dogs. There's something about dogs that when they throw up their old meal, they don't move on to the next new meal. They go back and eat up. Like, y'all got to let this sink in because this is what Peter wants us to like. Like, there's this like, ugh, who would ever do that? You? you. Who, would ever, who would ever throw up old stuff and then eat it again? Me. That's disgusting. Jesus is like, I know. Why would you do that? He's not done there. He says, not just like a dog who returns to his vomit. He says in another parable, proverb, he says, a washed pig returns to the mud. Here's the picture. So God finds us wallowing in the brokenness and the hurt and the mud of this world. And we're trapped and we're stuck in the mud and we can't move. We can't get out. And God in his gracious mercy and power, he comes and he rescues us out of the muck and the mire of this world. And he washes us and he makes us brand new. And like we get out and we're like, hey, isn't this awesome? Look how clean I am. Man, I sure would like to get in the mud again. And then we wander back. And it's like Peter's saying, why would a pig go get in the mud again? And it's not a picture of a pig. It's a picture of you and I. God's like, yeah, exactly. Why do you, why do you keep going back to the mud that I cleansed you from? Why, why do you keep going back to the vomit that I delivered you from? And it's because... In all of our lives, there is the force of temptation trying to pull us back to what God's delivered us from. And so as we get ready to close, let me ask the question again. I want you to be really honest with yourself before the Lord. What's the thing? What's what's the thing that's appealing about your past? What's the relationship you're being pulled towards? What's the addiction that you just feel like, man, I just got to have? Because I want to pray today that you would be, again, It's an object in motion, tends to stay in motion unless it's acted on by an outside force. My prayer for you is that you'd be a Christ follower that's in motion and you're gonna stay in motion and you're gonna keep moving towards the things of God and you're gonna keep moving towards your destiny and you're gonna keep moving towards your purpose and you're gonna keep moving towards what God has for you. Is there anybody in this room who says, Pastor Steve, that's what I want. I wanna keep moving. I'm tired of going back. I'm tired of falling away. I'm tired of looking over my shoulder. I want to keep my eye on the prize. I want to keep pressing on. Is there anybody here that's your heart today? Come on, is there anybody here? Pastor, I want want what God has for me. God, help me to leave Egypt in the past. I want the promised land. So with every every head bowed, every eye closed, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, for all of us in this room that can just be honest with our own struggles, that can just be honest with the force that's pulling on our lives. 
God, for some reason it looks appealing. For some reason we buy the lie that it's better than what we have. But I pray in Jesus' name that every one of you in this room that feel that pull, that wrestle against that force of temptation, that you would see the truth that God's promised future is greater than your past Egypt could ever be. I pray that you wouldn't buy the liar, you wouldn't believe the temptation, that there is something that God's holding back from you, something you're missing out on. I pray that you would see that the path you're on, the destiny that you have, the purpose you're reaching for, is the exact plan that God has for you. And I pray that you would stay at it and you would walk at it and God's strength would give you the power to overcome that force. I pray that God would deliver you from a past that keeps grabbing your attention. Man, I just I feel this today. Here, come on, let me just pray this for you. I pray that that pool that you keep wrestling with, that God through his strength and God through his grace, Lord, that you would rescue people from that pool. Over every life, God set us free and help us to stay in motion towards our destiny. In Jesus' name, just with every head bowed, just for another minute, first service, it's a little smaller crowd, but we have one person, one new lady here who said, Pastor Steve, I want to give my life to Christ. And so I just want to give that opportunity here this morning. If you're here and you're like, Pastor Steve, I'm not moving at all because like, I'm, I'm just checking church out. I'm just checking spiritual things out. If you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, you've never been unstuck and put in motion, that happens when we recognize our need for Christ to forgive us. That happens the moment we say yes to him and his love and his grace is unleashed in our life. And so if you're here this morning and you've never experienced God's grace and mercy, you've never experienced him pulling you out of the mud and making you clean, then today all you have to do is say yes. And so if you've never given your life to Christ, you've never said yes to his grace, and this morning, man, God's pulling on your heart to say yes to him. If you're here, man, and God is tugging on you to say yes to his grace, and you want me to pray for you, I want you to lift a hand real high. Say, Pastor Steve, pray for me. This morning, I want to give my life to Jesus. This morning, I want to experience his grace and his mercy in my heart. I see one hand all the way in the back. Anybody else? Say, Pastor Steve, pray for me. Today, I want to give my life to Jesus. Is there anybody else here? Come on, if you're not serving God, it's a great day to start your journey in a relationship with him. Anybody else? We're gonna pray with this one who raised her hand here. And if you're at, online watching, we wanna invite you as well. If you wanna give your life to Jesus right where you are, if you'll just open up your heart and say this prayer. I want us to pray this together before we're dismissed. Every voice here. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're the savior of the world, that you died to set me free, to forgive me of my sin. I believe you not only died, but you rose from the dead. And by that, I'm saved. Thanks for making me your child. In Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Whether you raised your hand or not, if you'll do us a favor, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it in your life and today you just gave your life to Christ, if you'll take one of the cards in your pew, it's in red right above, it says, I've decided. If you'll fill that out, brief information and take it if you feel comfortable to the information booth there's some people there want to put just a small packet in your hand that'll help you in your spiritual journey 
If you're a first-time guest here, we want to say thank you so much for being a part of our service this morning. If you'll stop by our Connect room, man, there's people there who want to meet you and put a gift in your hand. Also, if you need prayer, you can stop by our prayer and care room. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. We'll see you back next week for week two of Motion.